Galatians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We're going to be in John chapter 18 today, page 904, verse 33 to 37. Today we're going to continue uh, to look at choices. Our choices matter, and, and we're talking about the big choices. We've been talking about the big choices, and today, today's choice is this, I kingdom or Jesus kingdom. I kingdom or Jesus kingdom. You know, in our culture today, we don't th- think in terms of being ruled by a king, do we? Allegiance to a king isn't what we think about. Serving in the king's kingdom is not something we think about. Instead, we think in terms of what? Democracy, rule of law, personal freedom, and individual rights. Amen? That's America. It was interesting being in China. A whole different line of thinking being uh, on that trip. But here, democracy, rule of law, personal freedom, individual rights. What are some individual rights that we believe are ours simply because we're alive? Freedom of speech. Okay, freedom to uh, freedom of religion, not freedom from religion, freedom of religion. Okay, anybody else? Zit. Okay, so a free press, okay, freedom to be, what's that? Freedom to bear arms, okay, okay, freedom to gather, okay, all right, awesome, freedom to, right, right, be happy, right, freedom to find happiness. So our, our culture says, pick the right government leaders. Make sure everyone follows the rules, get a good job, and make sure your rights are not infringed on, and you will have a prosperous, happy, and comfortable life. That's kind of what our culture says, amen? Amen? Yes, maybe, maybe so, yeah. Our culture also says that to be a success, we need to build our own kingdom. Finish this out-of-date saying, a man's house, a man's home is his castle. I wonder at what age people stopped uh, knowing, what, knowing that saying. Uh, maybe, in the, maybe some of the younger people will ask, have you ever heard that before? A man's home is his castle, right? On the job, we can tend to build our own kingdom. We have a territory that we rule over, and if anyone messes with our kingdom, watch out. It may be the machine you operate, it may be a department you lead, but, but we tend to build our own kingdom. And our ministries in the church can even become one of our kingdoms. This is my kingdom, and be careful, stay away. That's a great danger for a pastor. A pastor who is called to love and serve a church family can begin to think, that it's their kingdom. And if it's their kingdom, then they are the king. You wonder why there's so much strife and trouble in the world. 
in the lives of followers of Jesus, uh, in our own lives, in my life. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking sometimes our trouble is a result of where we, where we put our roots in terms of what kingdom we're rooted in. And so today, we want to talk about this idea of I kingdom versus Jesus kingdom. So here's the dilemma. The kingdom of this world calls us to build our own kingdoms where we are the king, pursue our personal happiness and comfort, and claim our rights. That's I kingdom. Do you feel that pull sometimes in that direction? Jesus' kingdom, however, simply says, worship Jesus, follow Jesus, serve Jesus. And so we need to ponder this question. Who is your king? Who is my king? And what kingdom do we belong to? So as we read and study John 18, 33 through 37, some other verses, we see this clash of two kingdoms. And as we look at this clash between kingdoms, I want us to understand really two things. The first is this. The first is this. Jesus is the king above all kings. That's number one. Jesus is the king above all kings. And number two, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. And as we understand these two truths, my hope, my prayers that each one of us, including me, will renew or make a fresh commitment to Jesus as our king and to be part of his kingdom. So let's read John chapter 18, 33 through 37. This is an inter- interaction between a successful king and a failed king. A successful king and a failed king. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world, from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king? For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So now this is a picture. Uh, Next slide. This is a picture of two kings. It's taken from the movie A Passion, uh, The Passion of Christ. And on on your, your left, on your left, is Pilate, the Roman governor. And on your right is Jesus. This is the day that Jesus would be crucified. One of these kings was a success, and one of these kings was a failure. Now, from the looks of this picture, from the looks of the picture, who would you say is the success, Pilate or Jesus? Pilate. He looks real successful, and it looks like Jesus is the failure. But we all know that looks are deceiving. That morning as Jesus stood before Pilate, he didn't seem to be a successful king. 
He'd been betrayed by one of his closest disciples. He'd been abandoned by all the other disciples. He'd been arrested by the religious leaders. And now he was standing before a man who could free him or who could execute him. And nonetheless, Jesus, as he stood before Pilate, claimed to be king. It's a pretty bold claim in the presence of another king who could pronounce life or death over you. And Pilate asks Jesus, are you king of the Jews? And Jesus' response makes it clear that Jesus is claiming to be king. So what kind of king is Jesus? He doesn't look like a very successful king in that picture, but he is a king like no other king. For example, we see in John, the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am, he makes these seven I am statements that describe the type of king he is. And his description, these statements, they reveal to us what life is like when we worship the king, we follow the king, and we serve the king. So one I am statement, I am the bread of life. This means that Jesus is the giver of life, and those who follow him will always, and will always be in his presence. We'll never lack the presence of God in our lives. He says, I am the light of the world, which means we will walk in the light and not in the darkness. If you've ever been in darkness, complete darkness, lost, you know that it's much better to walk in the light. I am the gate, which means we will be saved and receive God's provision. I'm the good shepherd, which means we will be cared for by Jesus, the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life, which means eternal life is a present reality and not just a future promise. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are living your eternal life now. You can say this with confidence. I live forever. I live forever. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, which means we will always have a place with Jesus through our relationship with him. And finally, I am the vine. If you read that whole passage in John chapter 15, this means that without Jesus, what? We can do nothing. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. And then finally on the cross, King Jesus revealed the depth of his love for us. Think of the depth of love for you that Jesus had when he went to the cross to pay for your sins, to pay for my sins. And while he was on that cross, we talked about this, I think, a couple weeks ago. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Jesus forgave us on the cross so that we could have eternal life. So this is the type of king he is. On the day of his crucifixion, he was a success who looked like a failure. Have you ever succeeded at something, but it looked like you had failed? Now, we can probably think of times where we failed, but it looked like we succeeded. But if you took some time to think, there are many times in your life where you succeeded, but to the world, it looked like you had failed. I wasn't going to mention this, but because I hadn't studied it enough, but uh, the missionary, his last name's Chow, who was, who was murdered as he went to a remote island in India. Um, boy, to the world, he looks like an idiot, a total failure. 
But all of us now know that there's an island in the middle of the Indian Ocean where there's a people group who have not heard the gospel yet. And so we can pray for them. That's a huge victory for the kingdom. He said he wanted to bring the kingdom of Jesus to that island. Well, as we pray, as people all over the world hear this news and begin praying for these people, we're bringing the kingdom of Jesus to that island. It looks like a failure, but his life was and is a success. So sometimes we look like we failed when we've really succeeded. Jesus on the cross looked like a failure. And Pilate, he was pursuing his own kingdom. He looked like a great success. But he was a failure. So Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life is the king who died so we could have life. No other king can make that claim. Jesus is the king above all kings. And so, do we know him? Do we know Jesus? And here's my answer to that. Yes, I know Jesus, but I don't know him enough. I want to know him more. So I experience more of his life-changing power in my life because there are things in my life that still need transformation. I listed out a few. There's a lot more. I want my worry replaced by trusting in Jesus. I want my disappointment and anger replaced by forgiveness. I want my pride replaced by humility. I want my desire to please people replaced by a desire to please God. And I know that those things will only happen in my life as I draw closer to Jesus and the Holy Spirit does a work in me. And so how about each one of us? What part of your life will be transformed as you draw closer to Jesus, the king who is above all other kings? Do you know him? Is he your king? Draw closer to him and experience his life-changing power. So Jesus is the king above all kings. And in verse 36, he says to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. They didn't have science fiction movies back in AD 30 or so. I wonder what Pilate was thinking. All the Star Trek fans are probably thinking, well, let's see, you know. you know." But Pilate, he didn't know anything about other worlds. We don't either, but we have TV shows about him. So Jesus declares that his kingdom is not of this world. And what does Jesus mean? Well, I want to I look uh, at the past and the present and the future to try and answer that question. What did Jesus mean when he said his kingdom is not of this world? So in 2 Kings chapter 6, we read about an event uh, that happened in Elisha, Elisha's life, and Elisha had a servant with him. And his servant, Elisha and his servant, they're surrounded by the army of the king of Aram. So they're in this town. The king of Aram is chasing them. And so he's chased them into this town. And they've surrounded the town. And so in verse 15 in 2 Kings 6, it says this. When the servant of the man of God, so when Elisha's servant rose early in the morning and went out 
Behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said to Elisha, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Like the song we were singing in worship, we're surrounded. What will we do? And Elisha said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And the servant must have been thinking, Who in the world is Elisha talking about? All I see is Aram's army surrounding the city. And then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So what's happening? Elisha sees an army surrounding him. Or, or Elisha's servant sees an army surrounding him. But Elisha knows that God is much bigger and is at work in this situation. And so Elisha says, open the servant's eyes to see this army that's protecting us. And so God opens the servant's eyes and he sees this supernatural army surrounding and protecting Elisha and his servant. He sees a supernatural army, chariots of fire, surrounding Elisha and himself. And this, this uh, event demonstrates a verse that we often quote, Romans 8, chapter 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. In the supernatural, God was working all things together for the good of Elisha and his servant. God was using supernatural chariots of fire to protect Elisha and his servant from the king of Aram. He was working all things together for the good of, of Elisha and his servant. Imagine what God is doing for us as we're here together worshiping God, as we follow him and we serve him. What is he doing? Do you ever want, God, open my eyes and show me what you're doing. He's at work. Supernaturally, he's at work. Jesus' kingdom is supernatural. When we believe this, our faith will grow in God's promises. So that's the past. That's an example from the past. God has been supernaturally working in human history since human history began. How about the present? In the past, we see Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. How about today? From the Bible. We know from the Bible what Jesus the King is doing today in the kingdom. I just made a short list. Let me just read this list. One, Jesus is in heaven. His kingdom is not of this world. Two, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, the Father. Three, Jesus is sitting on his throne and is ruling all of creation as the sovereign king above all kings. Number four, Jesus is interceding on our behalf. That's awesome. Jesus is interceding before the Father on our behalf. Number five, Jesus is preparing a place for us. Number six, Jesus is granting us spiritual authority 
on this earth, we have spiritual authority as his followers. And number seven, Jesus is with us. That's his promise, right? To never leave us nor forsake us. So Jesus is at work in his kingdom, and he invites us to join him. So past, present, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. And so let's reflect for a moment. In the present, are we part of Jesus' kingdom? Or are we trying to get Jesus to be part of our kingdoms? All too often, I'm like Elisha's servant. I'm surrounded. What am I going to do? I want to be like Elisha. Oh, Lord, open my eyes and show me what you're doing. See the difference between my kingdom and Jesus' kingdom. What am I going to do versus, oh, Lord, open your eyes, open my eyes and show me what you're doing. So in the present, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. And when we're part of his kingdom, we're in this world, but not of this world. We've been transformed by Jesus and brought into his kingdom. So that's past and present. How about the future? What will the future be like in God's kingdom? I want to read just a few verses from Revelation chapter 21. I think um, I think Justin said at the at, during the call to worship that we know what we, what happens in the end, what the end of the book says, and this is a little of that. So, chapter twenty-one, verse one. Then I saw a new heaven. So this is John having a vision. Uh, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. That sounds like a kingdom that's not of this world. And then listen to the quality of life we'll have in Jesus' future kingdom. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. This is Jesus speaking. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. So Jesus' kingdom is eternal, and if you're a follower of Jesus, one day you'll be part of that future kingdom described in Revelation chapter 21. So Jesus is the king above all kings, and his kingdom is not of this world. Back in my younger days, I wore contacts. It's been a long time. But when I was beginning to have trouble reading with my contacts on, my, my optometrist said, you know, there's one solution you could try and still be able to wear contacts. One contact is good for distance, and one 
is good for reading. And then your, your brain will adjust and your eyes will adjust and you'll be just fine. Well, it didn't work for me. It just made everything blurry. It looked long, it was blurry. It looked short, it was blurry. I guess my brain isn't, isn't that quick. Everything was just blurry. I was focused one eye long, one eye short. And the same thing can happen with our spiritual eyes, if you will. D.L. Moody said this. He's D.L. Moody, an evangelist. He found, founded Moody Bible Institute. He wrote this. The church is full of people who want one eye for the world and one eye for the kingdom of God. Therefore, everything is blurred. One eye is long. The other is short. Then he said, all is confusion. I thought, you know, that's me. That's me. All too often, I have one eye on Jesus and one eye on the world. I believe everything the Bible says, but often I find myself living like everything depends on me. So I take Romans 8.28 and I kind of twist it, which is not what you should do with the Bible. But it, it, in my mind, I kind of twist it and I say this or I live this. And I know that because I love God, I need to work all things together for good, for his and my purposes. And when I do that, everything gets blurry and everything gets confused. Have you ever been there? When I fixed on the kingdom of God, when I fixed on the things of this world. But we all know that when we focus on the kingdom of God, we're worshiping Jesus, we're following Jesus, we're serving Jesus, the Holy Spirit will be at work in us. And the world, the things of the world just look empty in comparison to the kingdom of God. And the hold that the world has on us and our hold on the world will weaken and we'll be drawn more and more to Jesus. And so that's where I want to be. I want to be more and more part of Jesus' kingdom and less and less a part of the kingdom of this world. I want to trust that God is at work even though I can't see it. Because his kingdom is not of this world. And I want to have, a, have spiritual eyes that are fully fixed on Jesus because he's the king above all kings. And so which kingdom do we choose? I kingdom or Jesus' kingdom? Jesus is the king above all kings and his kingdom is not of this world. And so when we worship him, when we follow him, when we serve him, because he's the king of all kings and his kingdom is not of this world, then we will experience his life-changing power in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, forgive me for those times when I choose my kingdom over your kingdom. And Lord, I wish it wasn't such a battle. And Lord, I know that as I draw closer to you, it will be less of a battle. 
The world will have less of a hold on me. I will have less of a hold on you. Your spirit will work in a greater and greater way in my life. And so, Lord, for all of us, Lord, in our hearts and our minds, we choose your kingdom because we know that you're the king above all kings and your kingdom is not of this world. But, Lord, we acknowledge there are times when we struggle with that. And so we need your strength and we need your forgiveness and we need your grace in our lives. And Lord, would you do this this week? Would you just remind us when we take a step into the kingdom of this world, would you just remind us, hey, what kingdom do you want to be in? And draw us back onto the path that you've set before us. Lord, we ask that you would interrupt our lives this week and, and, and challenge us. Which kingdom are you walking in? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Subscribe to the podcast now, and for more info, including sermon outlines, visit our website at www dot kurtlandchristian dot o r g